y'all. It's Taylor Taylor, your host of A Higher Way with Tay. In today's episode, we are joined by my dear friend, Dr. Ailish Sheard. Ailish brings a diverse knowledge base and years of experience as a former college professor who specialized in exercise physiology. Dr. Sheard is the founder of the Organic Professor blog, where she combines her academic expertise with a deep passion for educating individuals and their families about the transformative power of natural alternatives. Driven by her commitment to empowerment, Dr. Sheard shares valuable insights to help you regain control of your health. With a keen focus on making informed choices about the products we bring into our home and the foods we consume, she's here to help guide us toward healthier living. Enjoy today's episode. Dr. Ailish Sheard is here on the podcast today, y'all. And not only is she my Libra sister, but she is also a fellow California girl living here in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. We met about three years ago in Costa Rica, and we have forged a really beautiful friendship since then. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today um, before we get into all the goodness that she has to share about how to live as the healthiest version of you possible. Healthy, non-toxic living is an absolute passion of mine. In fact, I would honestly say it's more of a value than anything else. It's a non-negotiable way of living for me, and I am just thrilled to have someone so knowledgeable to be here to break it down for you guys and to show you how we can take control of our health amidst a food system and culture that is not designed to keep us healthy, happy, and thriving in our physical bodies. Ailish, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me and Libra sisters all the way. That's, it's just the best. It's the best Libra life, baby. Well, we have so much to go over today. So I definitely want to touch on your astrology, but I am going to be somewhat brief here in going over it because I want to save all the time for all the stuff that we have to talk about. But I did want to share some fun things that I found in your chart that I think you're definitely going to resonate with. So you are a Libra sun, an Aries moon, and a Leo rising. So you've got that double fire sign, girl. Um, <laughs> you definitely, it's so funny because like knowing your personality, I see you so much as just a Libra. But, you know, you have your sun, your Libra sun in the second house. And the sun is our will, our purpose, our sense of vitality, and our evolving higher self. So when you have the sun placed in the second house, this is really like, about identifying resources and sustenance that provides security for you. So like resources are security for you. And as a Libra, as you know, you naturally seek harmony and beauty. And I think it's really evident in what we're talking about today, like the harmonious way of living and being in our bodies that is truly the highest potential for our human experience to be in harmony in the body first and then in relationships, which is really like all what Libra represents. So you have an Aries moon, which I, so funny, Emily, who was on the podcast last Aries moon, I think you're the fifth Aries moon I've had on here. So clearly it's, you know, again, the Aries in polarity to Libra, but it's just a beautiful placement. And I have so many friends that have that. So it's just funny to me, like, again, the fifth person, I think in two seasons that has that placement, but yours is in the eighth house. So moon in the eighth house can tend to be, especially Aries, which is fire can tend to be a little impatient, 
hyper-independent, which is quite the contrast to your Libra son, which wants to do everything in partnership. Um, maybe a tad impulsive at times, competitive. And in the eighth house, the moon really represents someone who's intuitive, emotional, sensitive, and someone who has deeply rooted emotional experiences. So your gift with this is you have a strong ability to persevere and concentrate like hello doctorate degree right there. Um, And it's funny though, it can actually benefit you to become more emotionally detached because it will kind of like decrease how much you over-interpret everything in your own internal awareness in a way that's like so deeply personal, right? So like that's the point. Does that make sense? Yes. Oh, that resonates so deeply. And wow, my Kenny, you know, Kenny, my husband, he would just be like, wow, couldn't agree more, but I need to do that. Well, there's that polarity, right? In the Aries and Libra. So you have the Libra sun and the Aries moon, but they also balance each other because the truth is they're like two opposite energies of kind of like the same energy though. So it's interesting. Like I said, I, you strike me so much of a Libra, but you, you do have two planets in fire girl. So you got some fire in you. So you're Leo rising, okay? You are ruled by the sun. The sun is your chart ruler. So what is the sun in astrology? It's our life force. It's our source of vitality. And this, to me, is expressed in you in how much you value the physical vessel, the human body, and optimizing it and all its functions during this human life. So typically, Leos are dramatic and charismatic, extroverted, assertive, And it's funny because like, if you may not really resonate with some of those, like when people say to me, for example, I don't feel like my sun sign, or I don't feel like my rising sign. It's usually because it's aspected in some way, or maybe, you know, your strong moon placement is what's more prominent. So you really do have to look at the whole chart to really know like where the person is going to express their sign more strongly. Um, so to me, again, I'm like, I just see you so much as a Libra, but you, you do have that, you know, fire moon and and fire rising, but, but that expression of the Leo rising, the sun and the way it really is about like our vitality and our life force, I think speaks of that passion that you have for, for really optimizing, you know, the human body and all it can do in this life. I love this. I mean, I didn't know what mine were until I asked you, I don't know, a year or two ago, and you looked it up and sent it to me and I had no clue. So thank you. I'm going to go back and take notes on this. Yay, of course. Well, I wanted to say the other thing that I loved about your chart, and I've told you this before, I don't know if you remember, but we both have the planet Venus in Virgo. And I love this because I want to talk about Venus and Virgo for a minute. So you're wherever you have Venus, it's like, I kind of feel like that's your love language, right? So we know, like, depending on what sign Venus is in, it's going to be how you express love to, you know, platonic, romantic. Um, But with Venus and Virgo, it's all about acts of service. And Virgo pays attention to the details. Love is in the details for us. So like, it's all about the small gestures that say, I'm paying attention. Like, you know, for example, it would be like maybe one time five years ago, somebody told me that they liked some random flavor of like ice cream and I'll never forget that. Right. And I'll remember it. And when I see it, I'm going to buy it for you. Like that's the Venus and Virgo kind of like detailed act of service. Um, And for me, like the way that it presents is like, you know, you know, I love you if I make you a playlist. And I used to do this for all my boyfriends. Like that is so Venus and Virgo, you know, I'd like make these very detailed playlists and they were very personal. And 
it's just funny. It's like all the detailed ways that you can express love and affection to somebody. But, you know, the low vibe of Venus and Virgo is, yeah, we pay attention to everything, right? So like the dirty clothes on the floor or the messy side of the bathroom sink, like that's going to send us into a spiral. Uh, <laughs> Ultimately, yeah. though, you know, for us Libras, we are adapt at seeking harmony. So ultimately, you know, because we have these this Libra placement, we can kind of get over that stuff. Or we maybe learn better ways to not let the annoying details that come with partnership, like really consume us. Um, but I love Venus and Virgo. And so I wanted to just touch on that because I think it's a great placement. It's thoughtful, it's meaningful. Um, and to me, like nothing shows love more than someone who pays attention to all the little things, you know, that the person they love loves. It, it's so interesting because there's so much to learn in all of this. And, and you know, we don't have to get into this, but you and I have talked about our North Node and South Node. And it makes so much sense and helps me understand myself better and then picking out things that I could improve on or work on or learn to balance a little bit more, you know, hence the scales. But I, I do love that. It's, it's so true. I can be so uh, nitpicky with things, but then so thoughtful and attention to detail and remember exactly like you're saying something that someone said or remembering, oh, I really liked that and you buy it for their birthday. And it's like, how did you even remember that? I don't even know. It just yeah. Yes. And I think that's why it's just one of my favorite placements. And I would recommend too, we'll have to do Kenny's chart sometime, your husband's and find out what his Venus is. Cause it would be helpful for you to know, like, you know, his love language in that way, because it's going to be different than yours. So like, it's like, it's kind of just like that whole, the five level or whatever it is, you know, where you can learn what your partner's is, cause it's going to be different than yours. And then, you know, you speak their language a little bit. So we'll have to do that. We'll look up and see what his is. And, and I'll, I'll get you on the right track with that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So let's chat for a minute about how we met, which was at Rhythmia Life Advancement Center, which is where I meet all my favorite people, by the way. Um, also, by the way, Rhythmia, if you are listening, Jerry, if you are listening, y'all should be sponsoring me by now because how many Rhythmia alumni have I had on this podcast by now? Like seriously, I mean, a, a ton. And it's funny because each one that comes on, uh, attributes like at least a large portion of their success to the time that they have spent there. Like, I don't think I go a single episode on the show without talking about them in some capacity. So I'm just putting that out there. Like, let's get a promo code or something going so that I can get some pizza discount to go down to Costa Rica and change their lives like you and I did. <laughs> yes. So we met on uh, December 2020 there in beautiful Guanacaste. Tell me a little bit about how you ended up there and like what your week was like. It's a great question. Well, first off, I just want to emphasize that I was the person who said I would never do psychedelics. I'm not interested in ayahuasca. That's not for me. Just no. And here I am now, you know, years later, having dabbled in tons of plant medicine. So it's just so funny. I have to laugh and, and look back at that and just amazed at how much growth and um, that I've been through. But I, I think at the time, like right the year before I met you and well, first of all, I was struggling with tons of anxiety I had for most of my life, lots of low self-esteem and definitely perfectionism. Um, I had a horrible work-life balance. My job working in academia was super stressful. I definitely put an unhealthy amount of stress on myself. It just wasn't good. And then in fall of 2019, 
Kenny and I lost our dog lady and it was just rock bottom. It ripped my heart open. It crushed my soul. It was just horrible. And shortly after we lost her, just something clicked. And now looking back, I know it was her guiding me. She really is my guardian angel. And she showed me what I needed to do. And that was jump into this amazing and incredible world of plant medicine to heal me. And our friend told us about Rhythmia. And I watched that documentary that Jerry put together that's somewhere, I think, on their website. And I just knew I was going to do it. Let's go. I called up my girlfriend. I said, do you want to go with me? And she said, yes. And the rest is history. It, it just, it's, it was just amazing how it all unfolded, even though it was some of my darkest days. And I think what I took away from it, there were so many things, which I know you could agree with that it's hard to list them all, but I think a few were after my first ceremony, I took the first breath of my life. I mean, quite literally I did. It was so profound. I could not believe how light I felt. I felt like I had hundreds of thousands of pounds lifted off of my body and out of me. So much energy was released and trauma and stored emotions. And, you know, my heart was finally healed. I was reconnected with lady. I mean, you were there with me. It was just the most beautiful experience of my life being there with her and seeing her. And there's just so much love with me. And I had never been with a group of, I don't know what we had, over 50 people of just random strangers that it was insane love and empathy and support and gratitude and just peace that I felt there that I had never felt before in my life. So it, it was just the most magical experience. And, you know, they have a really good thing going on down there. So another shout out to Rhythmia. Yes. I love how you describe that. It's so true. And I think because of the container of support and like, you know, just how transformative the experience is, you're just going so deep and you're with this group of people. So you really do build these bonds quickly. And it's funny because I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but we were at the airport leaving and you were at the time flying back to Colorado and I was waiting on my flight to go back to South Carolina. And I remember we were like in the, you know, terminal sort of separating to go to our different gates and and giving you a hug goodbye. And I remember just saying like, it was, wasn't even like, like, Oh, goodbye. It was nice meeting you. I remember just being like, Hey, you know, I'll see you on our next adventure. Like there was yes. no question at that time that I was like, I mean, we were just friends for life at that point. We just knew it. There wasn't going to be, you know, and it's true. Um, that's kind of what happened. So you ultimately ended up, um, moving here to Charleston with your husband, Kenny. I, I mean, what was that like maybe two years later? Yeah, I think we went and visited in 2021 that spring. And then I obviously you and I got together and, and saw each other. And we knew when we visited, we were just this place is amazing and things just moved super fast. I think a couple months later we were, I think we came in April and we moved here in that October. So yeah, 2021. Yeah, it was it was pretty quick. And then I think it was that year, 2021, that you and I went to Tony Robbins together. Yes. And 
it's so funny because I have to just take a moment to say, like, do you remember on that trip we went to um to Florida and we decided we were the perfect travel buddies because of our like routines and we our need for like access to clean water. Like right away, we were like, where are we gonna get? our water supply because, you know, we're not drinking no tap water and like, you know, um, and then we, we both had our, like <laughs> our vitamin dispensers. Do you remember? Oh yes. <laughs> How about our snack bag? Our snack bag. So we were like, we were so, but uh, maybe that's the Venus and Virgo. Maybe that's the Libra. I don't know, but we were so on the same page. So we, we ultimately were like, we are the perfect vacation or travel buddies because we're so regimented like that. Well, and I should have given you a disclaimer and I forgot. You guys, we went with my father-in-law. It was awesome that he went. It was just epic. Here is my father-in-law in his 70s with two girls that, you know, like it was just so awesome. And we're going to the store and I forgot to warn her that it's like Mr. Toe's wild ride driving with my father-in-law. I love you if you're listening, but it is hold on for dear life. And all we want to do is get our snacks. We got, oh, it was just such a crazy ride. I felt so bad. I didn't warn you. It was so wild. <laughs> Ailish, I forgot about that. I think I was texting you from the back seat. I was like, oh my God, we're going to die in this car. I know. It's just seriously Mr. Dill's wild ride. But yes, that was, that was so fun. That was an amazing experience. Also, Tony's great. Tony is awesome. We had such a good trip. And again, it was just like another fun adventure, you know, of many that we've had and are going to have. So, um, well, listen, I want you to tell everybody like a little bit about your background and kind of like your health journey and what got you to where you are today with the organic professor block. Uh, definitely. I, I think it began, even though I didn't know it at the time when I was a student, I was an undergrad student and I had been dealing with a lot of skin issues and eventually was diagnosed with psoriasis, which is an autoimmune condition. And really what this is, is your immune system is attacking your healthy skin cells. And because of that, it's causing them to grow a lot faster than normal. And because of this rapid turnover of skin scale skin cells, you get this dry, scaly red patches. It's horrible. I had it all over my body, specifically all over my scalp. I had plaque psoriasis. It was so uncomfortable. And I left the doctor's office going, okay, I have this thing. Great. I took the recommendations. It was topical ointments. It was shampoo. And I just lived with it. And I went on my way. And, you know, I didn't know any better at the time. No one in my family had psoriasis. I just went with it and eventually kind of drifted from the topical stuff because I was just over it. It was not fun. And I really hit my breaking point with it when I was in graduate school. And I was in my doctoral program, you know, obviously super stressed. My diet definitely could have been better. And my psoriasis was out of control. And I decided enough's enough. I don't want to go to the doctors. I don't want to be on any immunosuppressing drugs. I'm over the topical stuff. What can I do to try to heal this through my diet? And I, I didn't know anything about this. So I called my friend. She's a registered dietitian. And I said, Linda, she's incredible. I said, what do I do? You've got to help me with this. And she tells me, well, you have two choices. You either go gluten-free or you go dairy-free for 30 days. And I went, shit. I love dairy and I love to drink beers because we used to go out every Friday night with my classmates, drink $4 pints of beer at our microbrewery, and it was great. But I had to choose. I, I needed to do something. So I went gluten-free and I'd say 
in a couple weeks, I already saw some improvements. I had one spot right on my widow's peak that was starting to creep down on my forehead and it was just horrible and embarrassing. And in, I'd say three weeks, it was improved. And I went, okay, like maybe there's something to this. Let's see, not holding my breath. And I ended up going 42 days and I was in complete recovery of my symptoms. My plaque psoriasis was gone. I wasn't itchy. My patches were gone. And I was shocked. I was emailing Linda going, I can't even believe this. This is incredible. How has it taken me so long to do this? And it was amazing. And I think it, it was the start of this journey of me realizing there's other ways to tackle this stuff. Instead of slapping a Band-Aid on it with drugs or with topical ointments, yes, I know that it's necessary tom- sometimes, but for me, it was something I could change through my diet. And it's been very effective for me to this day. And it's it's led me through you know my job as a professor and teaching my students about this and sharing with them in my my own personal journey and we talk about health and wellness and disease risk and i think i've just slowly realized over time and as things have progressed that there's a lot more that goes into this equation of health and longevity and disease risk than let's say how often are you exercising throughout the week you know what are you eating and as I mentioned before, suffering from anxiety and probably at times depression, even though I didn't want to admit it and hitting my rock bottom, I started to also see how important not only is nutrition and exercise, but also mental health because I wasn't taking care of myself. And so each one of these little, you know, um, struggles that I had has pushed me further into becoming more curious about natural alternatives and plant medicine therapies and my mental health and how are the chemicals I'm using in my environment affecting my health? How is it affecting my dog's health? What is this lotion I'm putting on my body? And so I've kind of just, it's just been continuous progression and learning and what works, what doesn't work. And I I think an important thing for myself and also for everybody listening is just to keep an open mind and also understand that like anything in life, health, wellness, nutrition, research, everything is changing. And that's okay, but we just need to roll with the punches and figure out what works. And to tie it in to the organic professor and my website and blog that I started, you know, my my goal and my mission is to just educate, which comes naturally to me from, you know, my job as a professor. I want to spread awareness. I want people to know there's other alternatives We can seek out more natural approaches to things to heal our bodies, but also our minds and our spirits. Because for me, that has been a huge connection. And I just believe everything in me and my heart that mental health is physical health. And I just want people to empower themselves to take control of your health because we've got to advocate for ourselves more than ever and become informed consumers because We can't walk around with the blinders on when we're in the store, just kind of aimlessly grabbing things and using products or eating this food um, because it's in our hands. We have the power to make a change. And I'm with you, what you said earlier, this is a non-negotiable now. This is a total lifestyle transformation. It's a new mindset. And I just want people to educate for your, or educate yourself, advocate for yourself and, take your health back because the sad truth is no one else will. So we have to do it.
You're so right. You're so right, Ailish. And, you know, you you talked about gluten, right? And I, I think that's a great place to start because I know that's like a, a big one, a big trigger for a lot of people um, in their diet, whether they have autoimmune issues or not. Um, sometimes I even wonder if like gluten's really good for anybody, even if you are not necessarily sensitive um, or intolerant. But I would like to know, um, you know, if somebody out there is trying to just start with that, right? Like maybe just reducing or minimizing gluten in their diet. It probably sounds overwhelming if you don't know what foods have gluten or like where it is. So like, what are the top foods, for example, that like have gluten or like, what are the big ones maybe that you could start by removing from your diet? If that's an area that you're going to try to like, you know, eliminate to see if you are sensitive to or, or if it's inflammatory for you. Sure. I mean, this is a lot of people don't even realize they have some sort of sensitivity to it. You don't have to have celiac to have a sensitivity to gluten. And that's exactly what it was for me. Um, so you, you can do a blood test, which is what I did, but you don't need it. I just did it much later just to kind of confirm things. Um, but I think that there's a really powerful thing in you knowing your body the best. And if you see improvements because you've changed something in your diet, then go with it. And so the common things with gluten would be anything with wheat, barley, rye, those are the big ones, but they sneak gluten in everything. It's in soy sauce. It can be in any sauce because it's a binding agent. And one thing that I didn't know at the time was it's in medication. So I was on an oral contraceptive at the time that had gluten in it. And I was gluten-free and I couldn't figure out why I was still having some issues. And then amazing Linda, my friend who's an RD said, hey, let's take a peek at your products because it's everywhere. So That's you really- crazy. It's I know. crazy medication. I can't believe that. Oh, and it's an ordeal. I had to end up calling the pharmacist and talking to the pharmacist through ex Express Scripts and going on this whole rigmarole to get them to just- send me what I needed because, and I had to make sure it was made from rice and not something that included, you know, gluten. So, so I kind of always wondered, or maybe I even have this sneaking suspicion that part of the reason more and more people are sensitive or intolerant to gluten is because of the way, like you said, wheat, for example, is grown and produced. And I think this is a great segue to just go right into talking about glyphosate, because I wonder sometimes if it's really, you know, like the wheat intolerance or sensitivity that people have, is it gluten or is it what's sprayed on, you know, wheat crops in this country? I mean, it's a great question. And the glyphosate wormhole, oh my gosh, this, this really gets me fired up. It really does. Because People, we've got to wake up to the sad truth that our food system is super screwed up. But for everybody that, you know, we hear this term tossed around a lot. So glyphosate is the main ingredient in the common, most popular brand that is a weed killer. It's called Roundup. So it's also in things like Ranger Pro. And I mean, it's in any weed killer you can buy at Lowe's or Home Depot, Target, you know, Walmart, you name it. I think there's something like over 700 brands that are weed killers. But what this is, is an herbicide, i.e. weed killer. It destroys any sort of vegetation. I mean, it does much more than that, which we'll get into, but um, it basically kills all the weeds. But the people behind this is Monsanto. 
And I think that was my next question. So it's like clearly a man-made chemical and it was created for like, give us a little history lesson here. Like how did this evil chemical that's killing people get introduced to our crops and our food system? Well, at least for me, when I think of Monsanto, I don't like glyphosate wasn't the first thing that came to my mind until I started to go on a deep dive. And they, what's interesting about this is that I learned back in the 60s, they weren't even using this as a weed killer. It was used as a descaling agent for hot water systems and residential and commercial um, hot water heaters. So it's, you know, cleaning out calcium and mineral deposits. And I guess supposedly somebody, you know, somehow tossed this stuff out onto, you know, some greenery somewhere outside and they realized that it killed everything around it. And the lead scientist at Monsanto said, hey, let's let's really jump on this. And they patented it as a weed killer. And that was their big, you know, push to enter the market as a weed killer, which then was, you know, sold to the farmers and pushed on the farmers to apply to their crops to help kill off any competing weeds and have their, you know, harvest and their yields be much more successful in theory, right? And then, I mean, I don't know about you and what your neighbors are like, but it that stuff is sprayed all over my community here. It's wild. Well, yeah. And not only is it like you're spraying it, or let's say these farmers, for example, are spraying it, you know, to protect their crops, but in large amounts, and then it gets into the soil and, you know, it spreads and then it gets into the water system. And it's like, you know, I mean, it, it contaminates everything around it. So what is it though about glyphosate specifically? Like, why is it so dangerous? I don't know. I mean, well, one, I, I just, to go back to the history for a moment to understand that this is Monsanto's and in my opinion, a very evil company and it is now owned by Bayer. So I don't let them confuse you with their changing of, you know, their paper trail. Monsanto is very much in business. They are still alive and kicking and still selling this toxic uh, chemical. But um, to this day, the, the agency that's supposed to be protecting us, the Environmental Protection Agency, says that glyphosate doesn't cause cancer in humans. And we now know as of 2015 that this does if officially have come out and said it. The research has been there, but this agency came in and said this is probably causing cancer in humans. But to this day, the EPA still stands by. You can go on their website and look. No, this doesn't pose a risk to human health. Yet we know it's extremely bad for our water system. Like you said, it kills off bees. All our, all our pollinators are affected. It affects endangered species and it causes cancer. There's tons of lawsuits out there. It causes non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. These people that have fought against Monsanto have actually won. Um, it causes birth defects. It affects our mood and behavior. Um, they actually patent this as an antibiotic. I think it was back in like 2010 that Monsanto patented it as an antibiotic, which means it's killing all this beneficial bacteria in our environment and then also in our guts. And we're consuming this through our food. Um, oh my God, that's so scary. And when you think about its original use as like descaling these pipes of, of minerals, right? Of, of, of natural occurring minerals, like the idea of what it's doing 
in the body, that's terrifying. And when you were talking about like the EPA saying like, hey, there's no evidence that this is carcinogenic to people. I always say that, you know, you have to remember also like how how many years or decades that these same agencies were saying like, hey guys, lead's fine. Lead's not going to hurt you. Like, don't worry about it. Put it in, paint your walls with it. It's in your drinking water, whatever, you know? And then later, much too late, they were like, yeah, lead's kind of bad. I know. It's, it's, this is why I just go back to it's, this is a non-negotiable, you know, we cannot unfortunately trust these agencies and these companies. They're not looking out for our best interests. That is just the reality. You know, we have to start paying attention to what we're eating and giving people, you know, starting points. So like what's, tips that you can give to help people if they just are like, holy shit, I did not know this was a thing. Like, where can somebody start today to help limit or reduce their exposure knowingly or unknowingly to this horrendous poison? Well, I mean, I think the first and most obvious thing would be if you are using Roundup or anything in your garage that says weed killer, you've got to stop using it. This is just an absolute no. I do not use this on my lawn. I never have. Like I said, they spray this everywhere in my community. I cannot control that, but I can control what I put on my grass because you got to think about it. We're walking on it barefoot. It's in our air. Uh, my dogs lay in it. They eat the grass. Um, I mean, you have people who have kids, like your kids are playing in it. And so it's all over the place. So it control, you know, I'm going to control my little bubble as best as I can. So don't use Roundup. That is a great place to start. Um, There's great companies called Get Sunday that have, you know, more natural products that you can turn to. I've been using them since we actually moved here because I had never had to take care of so much grass before in my life. And um, it was a recommendation to me through a book I read, and it's been an incredible company. So you can look at other alternatives So that would be the first place that I would start. And then the next one would be looking at your food and only going non-GMO. So only eating non-genetically modified food. And that is what, you know, I think Monsanto is most known for is genetically modified food. But the scary thing with what this is, is they have taken, they call them Roundup Ready genetically modified crops or seeds, meaning they've genetically modified these seeds to now be immune to glyphosate. So now they can plant them and the farmers can spray glyphosate at any period, at any point during the harvest, and it won't affect the crops, but it'll kill off the weeds. So now we have these GMO seeds and they're still spraying glyphosate on it. And it's just coming at us in all directions. So I I think a bare minimum is look for that little non-GMO project stamp on your food labels. Um, But if you want to go a step further, just buy organic because organic is non-GMO. It's just. And I think there's like, you know, I'm a firm believer and this is just, again, it's a value of mine. People can do what they want. This is just what I do. But like I attempt to eat all organic at all times, whenever possible. But I know it's expensive. I know there's a lot of parts of this country where organic fruits and vegetables aren't always easy to access, or even the ones that, you know, maybe your family eats a lot. So there's the whole thing about like the dirty dozen. I don't know if you want to touch on that at all about like where somebody can look up, you know, if you're going to start, you know, with just a handful of organic 
fruits and vegetables, for example, um, these are the ones that are more prone to be heavily laden with glyphosate versus, you know, ones that maybe you could buy non-organic and, and be okay. Yeah, the environmental working group uh, put this out not too long ago. So you can go on their website and Google it and it's the dirty dozen. So they tell you, you know, the 12 um, kind of non-negotiables that you shouldn't eat non-organic. And then the other that it's like, okay, there's a little more leniency. The data shows that these aren't as heavily, you know, contaminated and sprayed um, with glyphosate. But I think when you can, like you're saying, always try to strive for organic, but I think just a good starting place would be fruits and veggies. Because if you think about fruit, there's no protective outer layer. Like one of the things on the list of the okay um, foods to eat non-organic is sweet potato. It has a nice hearty shell. So you get away with that, but buy organic blueberries, you know? So you can go on there and check that out. I think that's a, that's a great tip uh, that you brought that up to, for people to look for, but trying to just make small steps and small changes over time. But I think fruit is a big one and veggies. It's just out there in the open exposed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was one of the areas that I started first also was fruit and veggies and just kind of trying to start there. Um, and it's interesting because people ask me all the time, and I never know the right answer for this. And I wonder if you have it, but people say, why is organic more, like, why are organic vegetables so much more expensive than non-organic? I mean, I, I think it's just um, the evil food industry, really, it's just the corruption of it. They're charging us more to not get poisoned, really. And, and I mean, this is just, that's just my dark uh, opinion about it. But I think there's a lot of back and forth too about organic versus non-organic and organic. What it actually is, is that they are not allowed to spray synthetic fertilizers or pesticides on it, but farmers can spray natural um, sources or natural pesticides on the food. But I, I think it, they're not allowed to use GMO seeds. They're care, they care about the soil and the soil fertility. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of how they price it. I just truthfully think they want to keep us sick and keep us away from this stuff. And they put a lot of uh, restrictions and put a lot of force on these organic farmers because it's not as lucrative for them to go organic, you know, because they can pump out more crops and... Um, like corn and soy is very profitable for farmers, but yeah. And I liked what you said too, about like the organic farmers and, you know, um, regenerative soil, for example, because you have to remember that the soil that crops are grown on in this country is not as nutrient dense as it was, you know, 50 years ago. And so, you know, we're growing fruits and vegetables that just are lacking in the mineral density that they should have um, because of the damage to the soil. And so when you have organic farms um, that are, you know, at less risk of, you know, um, having soil disruption, we've got, we're like hopefully remineralizing the soil in some of these these farms and then thus the foods, fruits, vegetables that are growing there are going to have higher levels of the, the minerals that our bodies so desperately need to be healthy. I mean, this is a real issue. Our soil is lacking, like you're saying, in so many nutrients. This is a real problem. So, I mean, we need this now more than ever. 
we need some change in the reform and the use of glyphosate. I, I mean, other countries are banning GMO seeds. Like Italy, I think it's banned. And then I think it's actually a felony in Russia, uh, you know, and these other countries are taking this seriously and not using this and banning specific things. And we, we've got to make a change. There's a lot of incredible organizations that are pushing back and fighting and we need more people to speak out and become aware of this and, you know, just stop buying these products and. Yep. And educate yourselves and the knowledge is power, you know? Yeah. I, I think it's so important to, to touch on, you know, we've talked about the, the soil obviously and the way, you know, crops are grown, but another big issue that I'd love to hear you weigh in on is drinking water. So I, you know, I'm particular about the drinking water, um, that I drink and that my son drinks and what we have in our house. And I know there's varying degrees, um, and levels of expense that you can put into whether it's where you buy purified water or, um, you know, putting in, uh, you know, filtration systems throughout your whole home. There's like different steps, obviously, but I think it's important that we talk about, you know, just drinking water in our country and talk about that's another avenue of where a lot of toxic chemicals are seeping into unknowingly, um, into our homes, our bodies, our children, our pets, our bodies in the shower, all those things. So can you talk about, you know, some of these chemicals that are, that are in our tap water and in our municipal water systems? Uh, definitely. I mean, it's a, it was a great question and a great point because I mean, our body's mostly made of water and the quality of our water is so pivotal to our health and it ties right into glyphosate because they've actually found that in drinking water and tap water along with heavy metals you know, lead and arsenic, fluoride, chlorine, uh, forever chemicals, which are these chemicals that never degrade in the environment and they're in our bodies forever. Some sure might be able to break down over time, but we're just exposed to so much of it. And these specific one forever chemicals are called PFAS, P-F-A-S. They're uh, per and polyfluoral alkyl substances, and they're super dangerous. So this is just a few. I mean, there's hundreds of these chemicals that are in our water, and it's it's real. We've got to be drinking filtered water. It's a non-negotiable for sure. I agree, and I think then we should talk about specifically fluoride and how that ended up in our water and some of the dangers around that. Oh yeah, you know we love our fluoride with all sarcasm. I, oh I, my God. I like literally have to bite my tongue sometimes. Like, don't say it. Don't say it. Anytime I'm somewhere and people are talking about water and I'm just like, I even think there's like a meme. I don't know if you've seen it of like the, the old lady who's like laying on the ground, having a heart attack. And it's like the, the line is like when the waitress brings you like fluorinated tap water at the restaurant. You know what I mean? Cause it's just like, that's how I, how strongly I feel about it, but it's weird. The pushback I get sometimes from people who don't want to hear it. I mean, it's like that with a lot of this stuff. And that's why I emphasized in the beginning, come into this with an open mind because this is real. This isn't woo-woo. We're not making this up. It is real. So back in the 40s, the World Health Organization, and I'm sure there was other people involved to this whole thing, but they decided in Grand Rapids, Michigan, that this was going to be the first place that they were going to start with this big fluoride experiment. 
and added Can to the top. Can we talk for a second while like Michigan has like had some fucking water problems, right? What's up with that? I don't know. That poor Kaiba, they need some TLC up there because it's just, it's horrible. I mean, this is, happens in many places too, but they, there was some research and I, I think it dates back to somewhere in the thirties that they saw that people that drank naturally fluorinated water. So natural drinking water that was already naturally high in fluoride. It wasn't added to the water that these people had a lower prevalence of dental caries, which just means that they didn't have this loss or degradation of enamel on their teeth. Well, I don't know. They took it and ran with it. And what blows my mind is they didn't even ask this community or say, hey, is this something you guys are interested in or do you want to do it? Where's the informed consent? I mean, for crying out loud as a researcher, I can't even ask for someone's height and weight without having it be approved by an ins- by the IRB. I mean, but these organizations can just come in and add fluoride to the tap water. Oh, it just gets me fired up. And so well, it, it's like, I don't want to... Um sound like a conspiracy theorist either but it makes you wonder like what else is happening that we don't even know that we haven't given consent for that's like seeping in somewhere you know i mean it's it's real and and it's not a conspiracy i mean you can google this stuff and here we are you know 2023 and our tap water is still treated with fluoride and i i read somewhere you know that i think the united states we drink more fluorinated water here in the United States than anywhere else. I think there was a big, I forgot what research article I pulled and they were saying in India that there was a big push to reduce the levels. And that's the thing is who's regulating this. A lot of these chemicals, there's no regulation on safety levels. It just is what it is. And it's, they have studies that have looked at fluoride toxicity and this is where it's not a conspiracy theory. It's real. You know, it can affect your thyroid. It causes bone cancer. They've shown it, you know, can cause dementia, disrupt your immune system. And I think even cause cancer. But one of the most compelling things that I read was affecting the IQ of children. It lowers the IQ of children. Those that drink more fluorinated tap water have a lower IQ. And so we just shouldn't be drinking it. Filter your water. Well, I also want to say, because this is from personal experience, and I know there might be people out there who are listening and are like, this is scary, like, uh, you know, and then you think about toothpaste and you think about, you know, taking your kids to the dentist and they're painting that stuff on. And I want to take this opportunity to say, I have some good news. And this is that, you know, there is, for example, if you have kids or an adult too, because I use this, but hydroxyapatite is an example of a non-fluoridated toothpaste that is super um, restorative for the enamel and, and great for kids and adults. Again, I use it. My son uses it. And now more and more dentists. In fact, I think all of them and the hygienists are on board with this because I'm like that mom who takes my kid to the dentist and I'm like, do not put a whisper of fluoride on that kid's teeth. I'm very adamant about it. And then when they have his cleaning, I always say like, we're using, you know, we don't use fluoridated toothpaste, but we do use hydroxyapatite. And they're like, that's great. That's super effective. No problem. It's not like before where they were like, what is that? No, you have to use Colgate. You have to use fire. Oh my God. You know what I mean? It was like, it's like more and more main, I wouldn't say mainstream, but I think we're, we're getting to the point now where that's an absolutely acceptable, um, 
I don't even want to say alternative, but you know, truthfully, it's like um, it's a good choice to use on your own teeth and your kids' teeth when we're talking about toothpaste. I know we're talking about water, but I just wanted to throw that out there because I know some people their minds might go straight to that, like you know, the dentist and fluoride there. I, I mean, no, it's it's a great point, uh, and switching to. I think on the note that you're talking about with hydroxyapatite, which I also use a brand that has that, which you and I are love, lovers of Boca all the way. Shout out Boca, Boca, B-O-K-A. Y'all can get it on Amazon. They have like a whitening one. They have a regular one. Thomas, who's very picky about toothpaste flavors, brushes with it, loves it. It's fantastic. He's got perfect teeth. So just saying. I know. No, it's, it's real Boca. And then I tried rise well as another one that has hydroxy appetite, but I got to say, I'm still number one fan Boca all the way. I need to try the whitening one. You mentioned that to me not that long ago. I need to, order. Oh, I, ha- I bought three tubes, good? <laughs> three pack immediately. Yes. I'll, sh- I'll give you one. It's so good. <laughs> oh, so on that, just because it's the whole packaging thing. And if it says fluoride free can be misleading, you've got to look on the label and the ingredients, make sure it says hydroxy appetite because not all of them have this ingredient. And this is key. If you're switching over, which everybody should ditch, you know, I was a crest girl all the way. That was my go-to for the longest time. So just make sure it says hydroxy appetite in the ingredients. And there's research studies out there that show that it is just as effective as fluoride toothpaste. So again, this is, this is a great swap for your health. A great swap. So toothpaste, but circling back to water, like, you know, what are maybe some varying degrees of, you know, somebody who wants to stop drinking tap water? Um, Like there are, talk about some options of like filter filtration systems, or even just like going and filling up your big water jugs. Like what what are your suggestions there? Yeah. And where we started, um, you can just get a water filter pitcher, So tons of these companies have them. It just sits on your counter. You fill it up from the tap. You just have to be cognizant of changing out the filter per their guidelines. Um, And most of the really solid companies have, yes, I know some of them, you know, filters are plastic inside, but they emphasize the good companies that it's BPA, BPS, phthalate free, which would be great because you don't want the chemicals from that plastic leaching into your water. You know, it's not a perfect system by no means, but... Um, you're not drinking tap water. So you could start there. Um, Kenny and I have advanced to an under sink water filtration system, specifically reverse osmosis. That is the jam. I mean, I've tried a lot of filtered water. It tastes so good and it clears out. I, I think it's almost like 99% of the chemicals in your water. I mean, it's solid. So you can start there. And I know that people are like, oh, it's an investment or it's too expensive. It is, but I think it's so cost-effective over time if you invest in it and save your money for it. Because, I mean, first of all, going and buying cases of water weekly and bi-weekly is not cost-effective. And second, do not drink out of plastic bottles at all costs, you know? So that right there, you can buy a little pitcher for your counter or install one under your sink you're eliminating plastic bottles from your life, which are bad for the environment. They're bad for you because of the chemicals in the plastic and switch over to using canteens. You know, um, I use a stainless steel one because I have one of those glass ones. I don't know if you've tried those, the glass bottles and I, they don't last long with me. I've cracked a few. 
No, I like the the canteens better as well. Mm-hmm. So you can swap to that. And then even the cups you use in your house, you know, if I know the plastic cups for kids are really popular. Um, but if you can switch over to glass, that would be, you know, the gold standard to just continue to eliminate those, you know, chemicals that are leaching to your water. And then I mean, if you want to go for the big kahuna, going back to water filtering, you do the whole house. They've got these water filtration systems for the entire house. That would be like, that's definitely something Kenny and I want to do. Um, but you could just change out, which we were just talking about the other day, actually, of changing out our shower head. We haven't done that yet. And just getting one of those water filtered shower heads and at least drinking filtered water and then minimizing what's in contact with our skin, like you were mentioning earlier. So I think that's a good place. For sure. And the shower heads too, they're really not that expensive. You can spend a lot of money or you can spend a little bit of money and just get one that filters. And I'm also going to say from a vanity standpoint, if you color your hair or you you know spend money to get your hair done, you should invest in one anyway, because it's going to you know make your hair look better, especially with like our water here in Charleston. It's just, it's it makes sense to have one. I think the one that I have was like 40 bucks. It's really not expensive. Yeah. Um, I, I want to say something about water and I'm going to get so much hate for this, Ailish. So back me up on it. But uh, okay. A lot of times when I'm preaching on my soapbox about water, people say to me, Oh, I drink filtered water. I have a filtration system in my fridge built in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, though, that's not filtered water. And people get angry about that. I mean, I it's not my favorite. It's definitely a starting place, but it's not the best. You need to be going to these companies and making sure it's NSF certified. That is the gold standard. Make sure the water filter that you're using says that. I'm not, I don't drink the water. We have a water filter in our fridge, you know, to make ice cubes and stuff, which I I think is a bare minimum that you should at least have that. But I, I'm not a fan. I am so, oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying this on here. I am so extreme. I even make my ice cubes with my filtered water. You're um, old school. I like it. All right. I mean, it is a pain in the ass, but you know, I fill up Thomas's big water bottle for school every day. And I, you know, I just put ice cubes in there. So I use those sometimes when I'm lazy and I'm making a smoothie, I just use the regular ice in there. I mean, whatever, but I will say most of the time, um, especially with his like water bottle and stuff, I do, I have ice trays that I make with filtered water and I get it. Not everyone has to go that extreme. You can start small. I'm just saying. Yeah. That's one no. extra step I go. I mean, I love it. It's just finding what works for you and how far you want to take it. Because I think the important thing, because we all have, I think our extremes in this, this area, but don't try to stress out about striving for perfection or listen to this and go, oh my gosh, I've got to go change out everything now. Just pick one or two things you want to focus on so you're not feeling overwhelmed because I think you would agree with this also that this has been something that's been a slow progression for me. I've slowly changed more and more things and gotten more serious and more, I guess, anal, if you will, about different areas of my life regarding my health as time has gone on. So I think doing slow progression and small steps is great, but I love that you do filtered ice cubes. 
That's on. Well, but again, I mean, I start when, when I started on this, it was at small steps and little things here and there. And it's just progressed to that point that I'm all out crazy lady making filtered water ice cubes. So again, you don't have to be as extreme as me. Um, <laughs> you know, I want to talk because like we're talking about these forever chemicals, right? Or there's these PFAS. And, and I know that they're in our tap water and they can also be found in other areas. So like we're, when we talk about like non-tox living and like keeping our homes specifically, um, there's a lot of areas where I think people are unknowingly exposing themselves to, to some of these forever chemicals. So they're like creeping in, in the craziest places that you would not imagine, like clothing and furniture and stuff. And, um, and again, this is an area where I just think so many people are not aware, like that, there are contaminants in some of this stuff um, and there's easy switches and fixes for it. So can you talk about like home stuff in that regard? Yeah, this, this can get overwhelming because it is, it's everywhere, but going back to the, the mantra of just going slow and making small swaps and changes where you can, because I just, if I haven't already said this, it's, reducing our exposure to these toxicants. It's trying to limit exposure over our lifetime um, because these are everywhere. So it's just important to remember that because they get somewhere upwards of we're exposed to 100,000 chemicals annually. So if we can make small changes over time, it is great. And these forever chemicals are serious and scary. I mean, like I'm totally against fluoride, but these things freak me out hardcore. And you find these, like you said, in furniture, um, rugs, adhesives, it's in cleaning products, food packaging, uh, most of your personal conventional personal care products, your shampoo and nail polish, makeup. Um, one of the big ones for me was it's in our kitchen. It's in any of your plastic you cooking utensils. And then, you know, the big, the big one for people, the non-stick cooking pan, they are there. PFAS come, they're labeled as thousands of different names, but PFAS is kind of the umbrella term you hear thrown around. So um, just be cognizant of the places that these are, you know, hiding in and PFOS is another one. And then PFOA. So these are forever chemicals that uh, they don't break down, like I said earlier, in our environment and they accumulate in our body. And it's it's just not good. Well, when we're talking about nonstick cookware, I have some good news for the people too, because this was an area where nonstick cookware has saved freaking mealtime. You know, uh -huh. your cleanup so much easier. You fry an egg, it slides right off the pan. It's so much easier. I mean, I get it. I like it better, but it's toxic, right? So here's alternatives. Um, cast iron is one of my favorites. Um, one, because, you know, you can, it's just better for like the food you're cooking anyway. Um, and then if it's seasoned correctly, it, it will slide. Food should slide off like nonstick you know, should, um, uh, stainless steel is my other favorite. Um, mm -hmm. and if you're using, you know, like a healthy cooking oil, like avocado oil or something, you know, it, it, it's never going to clean up as easy as nonstick cookware. That's just the fact. But those are the two that I personally would suggest as replacements. But again, it's like, it sneaks in. And I was just telling you last time I saw you, where I was like, shit, my air fryer, which I love, so many things for Thomason and myself. I was like, dude, I think it's non-stick. 
And then I went online and was like searching and searching, like there are there any air fryers out there that are not made non, you know, with the nonstick. And there was like a glass option, but I was like, God, that's kind of scary. I don't know. know. You know what I mean? But so I, maybe one will come soon, but I was really disappointed to see that. Cause that is one thing that I just like, didn't necessarily realize. Cause I'm not looking all over the inside of it. Um, and realize like that is probably coded in that. Yeah. And it's plastic, right? The little drawer is in a plastic. That you put well, in. I have like the grate, you know, and then it's like oh, the stainless okay. steel grate and it goes in, but it's like the inside of the drawer that's, oh. that's got the nonstick, at least mine anyway. Um, yeah. I will say that I, one swap that I made years ago that I love, um, for you guys that are, you know, coffee drinkers like me, um, I did not love that 99.99% of coffee makers out there are plastic. And when you're heating water up in plastic, it's bad, you know? And so I was searching and searching for like, where can I find a coffee pot that has like a stainless steel carafe? So you're not, heating water through plastic parts. They're hard to find. Um, I did find one and it's fantastic. And it's lasted me like, it's got to be six or seven years old at this point. And it wasn't crazy expensive. So I may list that in the show notes just as another area of like, if you just take a little bit of time to research products that are made, you know, um, without plastic, uh, especially when you're heating to high temperatures like that, that's another area to really reduce um, exposure to these kind of, you know, chemicals that are that are going to come out too under high temperatures. Yeah, no, it's great. And one one other pan I wanted to mention is 100% ceramic is another great option. And you know, I'm with you. The non nonstick is great. It really is. And there are the nonstick ceramic coated pans and I know there's a lot of controversy out there about that. Well, I was going to ask you, because like, I'm just going to throw the name out. I mean, I don't care, but like Caraway, people are always asking, oh, is that, and I still can't get a clear answer online. Is that a. Yeah. I mean, look, it's one of those things where we can make, don't buy Teflon. Okay. And the cheap pans at Target or whatever, Walmart. I think if you want to make a step up, if you are like, I can't do stainless steel, I hate it, my food sticks to it, or it's too expensive, there's at least a small improvement that I think switching to something like Caraway. I'm not a fan. I personally had those pans before, and I hate to say it, I the lifetime of them is terrible. Um, mine have a chip in it, and I'm very delicate with my pans. Ask Kenny. I'm like, just treat them well. We got to be delicate. And it was just... It's not worth the money. Um, I think our place is a better option for the non-stick coated, you know, ceramic pans. Um, they do third-party testing. I believe Caraway does. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but you guys can fact check me. Um, I just think our place is a better quality and more bang for your buck. And they do say, you know, no PFOAs, no PFAS, um, no lead, I think is another one that they say on there. So and they make adorable dishware, by the they way. Do. I know they've expanded so their time so much. It's it is really cute. I, the the drawback with ceramic is that you know underneath that coating is aluminum, and that if it does chip, like my caraway pan did, that that can then the aluminum aluminum, which is a heavy metal, can come in contact with your food, and then there's some controversy of you know, what is really in this nonstick ceramic coating, it's proprietary, you know, so we're kind of taking the company's word for it. However, I think 
it's still a step in the right direction than getting away from those cheap, crappy, really bad for you nonstick pans and making a small jump into something which I personally think our place. I'm not like an affiliate with them at all. I just love their pants. I have one. I'm all about it. I have cast iron also. I have stainless steel. I kind of rotate through them. I've yet to try 100% uh, ceramic, but I've heard great things about them. So I would be curious to try that one day. Well, on the note of aluminum, you know, I want to ask, like, what's, are we supposed to be using aluminum foil when we're baking potatoes and putting stuff in the oven? How do we feel about aluminum? Is she canceled or what's the deal? Yeah, she canceled. It's funny. My mom was just, we were talking about this the other day. I think she's canceled personally. All right, Uh, you guys, you heard that in 2023, we ain't using aluminum foil anymore. She's canceled. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's like, that's our go-to like saran wrap and, and aluminum foil. Are you kidding me? Like we grew up on using that stuff, but, but no, don't I find that ironic. Like, I feel like in 30 years, people are going to say, oh my God, my parents literally wrapped my food in aluminum foil and baked it. And we're going to be like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I know. I know. It's not, you know, if you got to do it, you got to do it. But I, I just. I'm I'm not a fan. Okay, so we're not using aluminum foil. We're we're trying to switch out all our nonstick stuff. We've mm-hmm. talked about tap water. We've talked about fluoride. We've talked about okay. Well, what about like the furniture and stuff and like clothing, like the the chemicals that maybe we're unknowingly bringing into our homes, like on our rugs and things. I know that's, that's a hard one. I mean, I I will say that is definitely one area where the, the one big switch that I made was my mattress, but it gets financially can get out of control really fast. So for me, you know, by no means am I living in this perfect, you know, toxic and free environment over in my house. You know, I think sometimes it gets a little misconstrued with some of these influencers that like, this is, this is my real life. Okay. I don't have this perfect organic rug in my office or chair. You know, our big push was changing out our mattress to organic cotton because it's has flame retardants and all these chemicals and, um, like the foam mattresses we used to have. And have you ever smelled those foam pillows you guys get like the memory foam, how insanely strong those chemicals are that come out of them? It is not good for you. It is just releasing chemicals into the air. You're sleeping on it. So our big two things with the furniture for us was our bed sheets and our mattress. That's all organic and super clean because you spend a lot of time in your bedroom sleeping. And again, like the skin, biggest organ Mm -hmm. on the body. So when you think about what we were saying with like the shower and water on the body, and then also rolling around in your sheets and stuff, it just makes sense that, you know, if nowhere else, that that's one area. And I'm like, like, listen, I never claim to be, you know, perfect. I strive to be better and to learn more and to, to make adjustments where I can. But also you, like you said, it can get so expensive, but that Mm -hmm. shouldn't keep you from trying or starting or making some small changes. There's going to be plenty of things always that I want to do that I can't afford to do in terms of switching out and replacing. And also at the end of the day, like where I struggle sometimes is we're not at a point yet in non-toxic products where we have like great replacement options. For example, talking about the nonstick pans or like the air fryer, right? Another area is with um, like shampoos and conditioners. Like I'm always on the lookout for like a good clean one. I have 
I have some that I will use, but I, you know, we're just not there yet with like, wow, they're, they're super comparable. They're fantastic. They foam and lather and all that, like the, you know, regular kind. Um, yeah. So that's where you just, you know, make, make these small changes, like find stuff that products that you like that you can afford and incorporate them. That's going to make a difference. And again, I'm also like, I'm not perfect. Like I, you know, I get Botox, like I'm not, you know, a, <laughs> a, a nun, I'm not like, you know, but at the same time, I am clear on like, you know, what I absolutely, you know, on my non-negotiables are. And then I'm also constantly learning. And this is an industry too, that is picking up and growing. And we are getting a lot more, I mean, uh, available products and, and, and replacement alternatives than, than we did, you know, 10 years ago, the wellness industry in our country is growing and there's a lot of money in that. And there's a lot of people talking now about this kind of stuff, not enough people, but, but people are. And so, you know, it's easy to jump on Instagram and follow a few accounts that make like the organic professor, by the way, which will make perfectly like doable suggestions. Like here's brands, here's stores you can go to and buy. This is a really good switch this out for that. You know, whether it's a cleaning product or a food or, a, um, you know, whatever it is that you're bringing into your home, like there are great resources out there and these weren't always available for us. Like it used to be like, you know, you didn't necessarily have the options um, for clean alternatives that you do now. So I think it's important to talk to just briefly about like cleaning stuff, you know, conventional cleaning products and you know, obviously we live in a world where like, you know, especially during COVID, you know, where we were so focused on like, just bleed Clorox your whole house and get rid of all these germs and everything. Like, but there is a big area where there are a lot, a lot, a lot of cleaning products that are uh, unsafe and they have a ton of negative side effects. So will you touch on that? Like some, some ones that we should definitely not be using and, and what we can replace them with? Sure. Well, we can just say, yeah, stay far away from bleach. You know, um, I had just a side story, this, and this person that I met talking about how much she used bleach and she had used an insane amount during the pandemic. And I told her, I don't use bleach and I use vinegar and water. And she was just aghast, disgusted that I use such an insane thing, which just everybody knows there's data to support it is a disinfectant. It kills bacteria. It kills viruses. You know, Kenny and I've been using this a really long time. I'm still alive. I, you know, we cook raw meat on our counters and clean with that and it's all good. So how do you make it not smell so vinegary though? That's my thing. Like I've mopped with vinegar and water before. And then I just feel like there's this strong vinegary smell. What ratio are you using? It's one to one. Well, probably like a hundred percent vinegar. <laughs> no, you have to dilute it. <laughs> it's like my, gr- I remember my granny as a kid. It's so funny. You're just bringing back a memory of her house smelled like vinegar because like, that's what they used. You know, that was their cleaning product. And she probably was using a higher percentage of vinegar to water ratio, but it makes me laugh. Okay. Well, real quick though, why is bleach bad? So bleach, along with a lot of these conventional cleaning products that look, I used this for many years until I knew any better. It's really easy to reach for it, but these chemicals bleach included, which releases chloroform, which is one of the toxic chemicals or dangerous chemicals into the environment. They, so bleach along with like Windex, I mean, I'm not even going to brand bash, but you know, all the conventional cleaners releases volatile organic compounds into the environment 
phthalates, ammonia, chloroforms, like I mentioned, uh, fragrance chemicals, which anything that's labeled fragrance or perfume or something, they don't have to tell you what's in it. There could be about 4,000 chemicals mixed into something labeled fragrance. So I run clear from that. You know, I, it's just, we don't know what's in it. And then like you mentioned, stuff is in contact with your skin when you spray bleach or any of these cleaners, your eyes, your lungs, you're breathing these in. And as I mentioned, we're exposed to a lot of chemicals every year. And they, they've done studies on this and shown that these cleaners release hundreds of hazardous compounds into the air, into our home. And it's just not safe. And don't get me wrong, since moving here to South Carolina, to Charleston, holy shit, trying to keep the mold out of my shower. What is the deal? You know, what's up with that? Is it just like our humidity? I mean, my God, it's insane. And, you know, and this is the thing like of being transparent, you know, we're talking all these things like striving for perfection. I use natural cleaners on everything in my house as much as I can in my shower. There are some mold issues in my shower. I cannot do anything about because of where we live in a high humidity zone with the ventilation in my shower. It just is what it is. doesn't matter what I do. It is just a battle. So if I have to use bleach, if I have to, I look, as my friend, I sent her a picture, full, like, hazmat. I, I was going to say, are you, like, totally, like, oh, hazmat? It's, it's the whole get out. Kenny thinks I'm insane with love. I, I have every purifier in my house. Like, in the bathroom, I got the fans on. There's a purifier in my room. The windows are open. I have gloves. I've got socks and pants. Things covered because I... It's so bad for you, but this is where you have to just weigh the cost benefit ratio that don't kill yourself and beat yourself up if you have to dabble in some of this, but do our best to minimize at all costs because bleach is so bad. It's so bad. And so are a lot of these cleaners. You know, I don't know about you, but I get a headache. It causes immediate respiratory issues you know, they've, they've confirmed this. It causes inflammation, cancer, developmental issues. It's a toxin for our organs. So we should be, you know, using the right PPE, if you will, when you're using this stuff, if you have to use it, but just do. I completely agree. I, I think um, there's a brand that I like too, that's called Branch Basics. Oh, love them. And, yep. yep. They're fantastic. And they, I have a lot of their cleaning products and their laundry detergent. Um, but I'll say the one thing that I like the most, especially when we're talking about like the shower, cleaning the shower and stuff is the oxygen boost. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. So good. I mean, even if you're going to just buy one product from there, you guys buy the oxygen boost. It's a powder. Um, it's like a big bag of this, this powder and you can put it in with your laundry detergent for just like extra cleaning. But also I will just make it into like a little bit of a paste when I'm cleaning like those stuff, uh, tough spots in the shower. And, um, it works really well, like, you know, as, as a paste or just, you know, cause it's got that, like the little granules. So that's another brand you can trust. It works. I love it. Well, good. Yeah. Um, it's good for stains on clothes. Also it's, it's like magic to get stains. Oh, the, the oxygen boost for stains on clothes. I haven't tried that. Okay. Use their, so their spray, you guys they have a concentrate, you dilute it. You, I spray it on the stain. Then I sprinkle a little of the oxygen boost on it. Then I do a little more of their spray and just let it sit. I have gotten out insane stains and I have three dogs. 
and it works. Okay. I love it. They're such a great brand. I love what they're doing. It's not crazy expensive. No, I'll put that in the show notes too. Okay. So other tips for just like indoor air quality, you know, cause again, we're not, we're just, no one's perfect. We're bringing shit into our houses. We've got kids, God knows what they're bringing in stuff's getting in the air, you know, so we're, we're trying to be good, but like, what else can we do to just on a daily basis kind of help improve that indoor air quality? I mean, opening your windows often is a great one. Um, buying an air filter, you know, our air purifier. Um, it, you know, if you can't afford to buy one for all the major rooms in your house, at least just buy one for your bedroom. I think that's a good place to start because you spend a very, you know, large amount of time sleeping in your bedroom. Um, make sure you also, I, people forget about this and especially out here because we run our air and our heaters, make sure you're changing out your filters for your HVAC system for all your vents. That is important to just keep track of. Um, vacuuming often. Um, any of you that follow me on Instagram, you guys know I love indoor plants. So buying indoor plants, they've researched this. They absolutely can clean and filter your air and they bring a lot of joy and beauty to your home. So get out there and um, support your local nursery and buy your indoor plants. And you know, like we said, just making some small switches to, to minimize, you know, that those toxins and those compounds that are floating around in your air, because they linger around for quite a bit. So you don't have to get fancy with your swaps either, you know, buy one company, multi, um, the concentrate, like a multi-purpose cleaner, and then you could use vinegar also. So that all can help. It do, there are other ways you can do it on the cheap too. So I love that. What about, you know, okay, we know that we're just by nature of where we're at with things. We're, uh, you know, unknowingly having shit in our systems, walking around, going to work, driving in our cars, um, working in busy offices, buildings, things like that. So what can we do to like, you know, help just detox the stuff that we're exposed to unknowingly? Like as far as like, are there supplements or foods or things that we should be doing to just help kind of like support the detox- detoxification of, of things that we've been unknowingly exposed to? Uh, definitely. I mean, this is a, a great point and a great question. I I mean, I'm all about supplements for sure, especially ones that your body needs. I don't think you should just be randomly taking a bunch of things if you don't know if you really need them. But oh my God, I feel personally attacked when you say that because (laughs) everyone who knows me, I'm like, you guys, it's ridiculous with my supplements. In fact, I'm trying, I'm like turning a new page. I'm like really trying to cut down. I, I take it a little too far with my supplements. I mean, I mean, we need to just be taking, like, you should have labs done and know what you're deficient in before you just take, like me, <laughs> take 7 billion supplements, you know, um, without knowing whether you're deficient or not. Right. I mean, look, by no means am I trying to say I take two supplements. I have the same. Ex- I've seen your vitamin. You, okay. <laughs> I've seen your vitamin container oh. and you've seen mine. So yes. I have the same one as you because I asked you, I need a larger one. And you sent me the one that you have. So, yes. <laughs> We're on like the, the triple X size over here. You um, cannot get bigger. Like you literally cannot. No, I'm like bigger. squishing it closed and it's not staying closed. It's a real problem. So I, I'm with you there. I'm all about supplements. You guys know I am if you follow me, but um, doctor, I've done genetic testing to tailor it to specifically what I need to support my body along with, you know, a few other health things that I'm dealing with. So they're super important. 
So there's definitely stuff you can take to support your liver. You know, milk thistle is a great one. Um, Turmeric, you can also just make, you know, cook with the spice. Um, I'm really into making turmeric lattes and it's super delicious and relaxing. Um, Dandelion's another good one you can add um, to your diet. Uh, let's see your veggies, get your fiber in those cruciferous veggies, you know, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale, you know, all the things that people love to eat. <laughs> That's a great one because not only, I think what's important too, with a lot of this lifestyle changes, it, it kind of trickles over to other areas of our health. You know, if we're starting to eat more fruits and veggies, that are organic, that's awesome. We're reducing our toxic load of glyphosate and these other pesticides. But for eating more fruits and veggies, you know, we're improving our longevity, reducing our risk of cancer. So there, there's a ripple effect when we start to talk about some of this. And then another one that is near and dear to my heart is just exercising. Get out there and start sweating, people. I mean, if any of my former students are listening right now, you guys know I spend hours and hours talking about sweating in the human sweat gland. I freaking love it. I spent a lot of time researching it in my academic career. It's amazing, but it is a cheap and free way to just naturally detox. So it's cheap and free. And it's such a good point because the body knows how to detoxify itself and it is a master at it. And so, yes, yep. there are supplements and things we can do to help, you know, um, encourage additional detoxification, but it's true. The body knows how to do it. And the two cheapest and easiest ways are sweating and pooping. So if you are eating your vegetables <laughs> and you're getting That's your it. fiber, you know what? Your body's going to eliminate it in the way that it's designed, right? And then sweating again, like a lot of the added, you know, like hormones that, you know, we might be unknowingly getting from meats or, you know, foods or whatever. It's like you, your body will store those if you're not um, excreting them in, at the appropriate pathways. So poop and sweat, it's free <laughs> and good for you. Good for you to do both. Yeah. I mean, a sauna is another great one too. I know that everyone doesn't have that available. That's why exercising and sweating is just great. And exercise is great for your health. We should all be doing it, but sauna is another great option also. And I love, I love a good sauna. And we love a good hot yoga class. So, oh yeah, I know we need to, we need to do another one together. I know we do. That's, that's my personal favorite way, but I do love a sauna too. There's the sauna blankets, like the higher dose sauna blanket that I always say I have, but I yeah. actually don't have it. I stole it from Dr. Dan and I literally like two and a half years. I'm just like, it's mine now. <laughs> you're just not okay. getting it back. I know. I think he's just given up on, on expecting it. Dan, if you're listening, like it's my sauna blanket now. Um, but it is another great way if you don't have, you know, the room or the money in your home for like a home sauna, or maybe your gym doesn't have one. Um, it's, it's a super, uh, relaxing and easy way to like profusely sweat, um, mm -hmm. and burn some calories doing it. So I have the higher dose one. I think that brand's excellent, but there are cheaper, um, alternatives out there and, um, you know, people can ask you or I about that too. So this is a good point also, cause I want you to be able to tell people like where they can find your blog and your Instagram. And also you have so much great content about, all this kind of stuff. I mean, daily you're posting about, you know, great options and good choices. So I know a lot of the stuff we've talked about today can be overwhelming and scary, but there are solutions and you are doing such a great job of providing people with options, solutions, and great resources for, you know, alternatives. So let people know where they can find you. And then also like, are you cool with people sending you a DM and saying like, Hey, like I've been using this. What's a good alternative? Absolutely. I, I love questions. I 
answer them all the time. It's just people, you know, friends and family in my life. I'm probably overly intrusive sometimes because I'm like, hey, you should be swapping to this. And they're like, oh God, I roll. But you know, it's all in. No, I get that too. Like I have to, I, I get that too. I have to be careful where I'm, you know, sometimes people aren't asking for my opinion on, you know, what they're eating or using. And I really do want to be considerate of not, you know, um, pushing this down people's throats. But the truth is like, I'm, it is coming from a place of love and concern because I know what I know and you can't unknow this stuff once you hear it. And so I am sorry to my friends and family. And I know they get so sick and tired of like me going on my tangents, but it's from, it's from a place from love. And so just follow English too. And then you don't have to hear me talk about it. You can just get your information from her. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, yeah, it, I, I feel your pain and it is, it comes from a good place. And once you see these things and know these things, like you said, you can't unsee them. You can't unknow them. So by all means, send me a message or if you know me, shoot me a text. I'm happy to help. Um, I know you and I have gone back and forth with this. And then one of uh, my other um, good friends, Sam and I, that's all we're doing is, you know, texting different stuff. And it's super fun. Um, it is fun. I mean, we're passionate about it. Like I we know. Just I know. It, so they're just going to have to deal with it because we're going to just keep doing this. And I'm going to keep telling people to swap things. But you can find me on Instagram at The Organic Professor. My website and blog is www.theorganicprofessor.com. And, you know, it, it's very much in its infancy. It's growing. You know, I have so much that we're moving into and I want to expand into. And specifically in December, the beginning of December, I'm actually releasing an ebook that will be published on my website. And you guys can go check it out. It's all things, you know, non-toxic cleaning products. I have all of my top brands that I've spent a lot of time researching, many of which I use in my home, some of which I didn't know existed and learned about and was really excited. So um, I have a ton of products you can check out and you know, it kind of eliminates the guesswork there because I've vetted the companies and contacted them. I have air purifier recommendations. Um, let's see, my forgetting water filters. So my top you also choices. always have like great vitamin recommendations and vitamin brands too. Oh yeah, that'll yeah, that's on my website now that I've specifically been focused on. But yeah, for the for the ebook, if you have any questions about the non-toxic cleaning products and indoor plants, it's it's all included in there. So keep an eye out for that. I'll definitely let everybody know on Instagram when it's officially published. But yeah, it was a lot of fun creating it. I'm excited. Hopefully it informs and helps people make smarter swaps. Oh, I'm sure it will. There's no question. I, I love that you're doing that. It's going to help a lot of people. I loved having this conversation with you today. And I wonder, like, I'm just thinking, you know, it's funny. We when I was talking about being in the airport and being like, all right, well, you know, I'll see you on our next adventure. And, and, you know, we, you came here and we've, we've done Tony Robbins and we've obviously done Rhythmia together. And like, I wonder just like, what do you think, what do you think's next? Like, what are we, what's our next like <laughs> adventure, Eilish? You actually just gave me chills as I went through just in a flash of a few seconds, memory lane of what, we've been through in the last three years together is crazy. And where we were and where we are, I never in my wildest dreams would think we're talking on your podcast right now. This is pretty awesome. So I, I know it's so cool. I'm it's so cool. And I, again, I, I just have to say, like I, I said it on the last episode or I don't even remember when I said it, but it's like, it is a testament to 
you know, that magical place in Costa Rica where, you know, we, we met and, and we became friends. And then though the way that life has unfolded for both of us since then, like just beyond what we ever would have thought. And I've had so much fun getting to pursue all these like awesome avenues of health and healing and like the Tony Robbins and Joe Dispenza. Maybe that's what we should do is a Joe Dispenza. Also, I was kind of like, you know, when, um, Cece was on talking about Hoffman process, I was like, I could so see Ailish and I doing something like that. So who knows? I'm up for anything. It's funny. I do have uh, Joe Dispenza on my vision board. So sitting behind me. Okay. Well, that may be it. Oh my God. And what a fun, you know, podcast episode to do if to recap, if we did something like that. So I know you'll be back on the show for sure. And I'm just so grateful for your time and your, um, you know, wisdom and for all the, the ways that you have educated our audience today about how they can improve their health and the health of their home and their families and their pets and all that. And you're just amazing. And I hope everyone will go follow you and start to begin to make just some small, subtle changes because we have one body for this life and we want to stick around as long as we can. We want to be healthy and full of vitality for ourselves, for our kids, for our families, for our communities. And this is how we do it, you know, like, um, so thank you. So, so grateful for your time and, and for your wisdom, Elish. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. We'll do it again. 